Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So here we are about um, almost halfway through the summer, which is kind of scary, <laughs> depending yeah. on how you define it. Um, you know, we have a lot of work to do. And it's tempting a lot of times to keep what we're doing very secret because we might be working on a brand new app or a major update to our existing app to take advantage of all the new Apple functionality that that they gave us in, in the next OS version. Um, and a lot of developers, you know, keep those secrets until they're ready to release. A lot of developers are much more public about them and just say like, hey, yeah, I'm working on all this stuff. Hope to have it done by September or whatever. Where do you fall on that? Where, like, what are you what are you working on? Are you willing to tell us what you're working on? And then, how do you fall on that decision? Sure. I mean, so I've definitely taken both approaches uh, for the various apps that I've launched. Like, like the most recent app I launched, Watchsmith, was very much like it was relatively secret. Like, not in concept. Like, I think I had talked a little bit about what it was and where it was going, and um, certainly having a venue like a podcast is a great place to kind of talk about things before they're. Um, public without being quite as public about it. Um, but I've also gone the other approach where I've just like, you know, talked a lot, talked openly and as much as I could about what I'm working on ahead of time. And I think this summer I'm leaning towards the less secretive approach. And I don't know if exactly why, but it's like I am starting to like talk about in, you know, on Twitter or blog posts or here um, about the things that I'm working on. It's like my main like thrust for the summer is going to be, you know, the obvious updates to my existing apps. And then I'm also currently planning to launch two apps this fall. Um, so I'm working on a widget based version of Watchsmith essentially. So like a highly customizable, configurable, schedulable widget system called Widgetsmith. And then I'm working on an update to an old app of mine called Check the Weather, which um, oh. I am thinking of bringing back as a test case for me to um, get really confident at multi-platform uh, Swift UI work because I like, well, you know, check the weather was this app, one of my early apps, like from years and years ago. And eventually um, it just didn't work out financially that, you know, the difficulty with the weather system is that it requires an ongoing sort of subscription in order to, uh, you know, pay for its data sources. And at some point check the weather just never kind of, it, it became financially not viable. But what's interesting now is that like that, now we're in a world where uh, rather than one-time payments are the norm, like subscriptions are much more the norm. And like, I've already have kind of an established subscription base um, from Watchsmith that I would expect with any of these things that there's kind of in some ways a bit of a shared subscriber uh, system there. So that if you're subscribed to one of my apps, you'll be able to have access to to them all and like the existing subscriber system you know base is such that that could easily support check the weather and so i'm like planning to build an app called check the weather it's going to be different visually because things are you know check the weather was designed for i think an iphone four screen is it that old not not even the five it's 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 very old yeah wow I, i remember when it was a big deal that they introduced Control Center <laughs> because this just to get a sense of how old this app is. Because one of its original like conceits was that you would swipe up from the bottom to get the radar map, 
um, you'd swipe left to get uh, hourly, right to get uh, daily, and swipe up from the bottom to get the radar map. And then they introduced Control Center, and suddenly I couldn't have my upward swipe because that was taken over by um, Control Center. And that's like, that was a big deal. And like, I mean, Control Center, I feel like, has been with us a long time. And this is, you know, uh, pre iPhone tens control center where now it's in the top right corner, but like for a long time it was you know, the bottom of the screen, but anyway, so it's been there for a long time. And so it's kind of fun to redesign it and work on it and build it in Swift UI and then be able to take in it, you know, to sort of build something that I think works well from the Apple watch all the way to the Mac so that I can, you know, build something that works like naturally and natively in all those places. Cause increasingly I feel like that's going to be an important aspect of my, uh, like skill set to develop. And the, uh, my other apps don't really work as well with that. Like, you know, a lot of my apps are very watch focused or very iPhone focused because they're health and fitness. And so they require like, you know, step counting, for example, like I don't think the Mac is any, is ever going to get step counting. Even if it has Apple Silicon inside of it, it's never going to be, you know, you're not going to be looking around your laptop counting steps. Um, so anyway, so I'm working on check the weather as, and I'm just reusing the name, but it'll be a sort of a different app, um, this summer. And then like, but I think for me, I've decided that like secrecy doesn't make as much sense this summer. And I think it seems like largely I've kind of ended up on that, ended up on that place because if anything, these are like hey, building a building a weather app is nothing like new or novel, and usually secrecy's primary benefit is to, like to protect your novelty, to prevent, to like slow down people being able to copy or Im- sort of imitate it. Um, and you know, a weather app is a weather app in many, many ways. So while I like my approach to weather, it's still just a weather app. And then like with Widget Smith, like it's nothing like I've like the like the secret sauce or the approach or whatever was is like way out of the bag with with watchsmith and it's like it's basically the same app just with a different end result of what you're scheduling and what you're displaying onto the screen and if anything i have the active desire to like scare off people um like if someone else was like huh i wonder if i about making something like um watchsmith but for widgets like i would hope that there would be less of an interest in doing that if they know that i'm going to do it too because then you're like it's like you're, you're gonna have a tough time out out underscoring underscore. Like I am, <laughs> you're not you're never gonna have as many widgets. You're never gonna have as many options. Like this is what I do. So like I kind of want to stake my claim and say like this is what I'm working on. This is how I'm gonna make it. Like good luck trying to keep up. So that's sort of where I ended up on secrecy this summer. I think that's the most you've ever flexed in public. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. No, and well deserved. Um, I, I <laughs> just sorry, can't get over that. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think uh, I, I'm falling in a similar way here. Like we've talked about this a little bit before, but I like I have I have long since given up most secrecy for like what I'm doing because what I'm doing. Like I used to think that it was super important for me to not let my competitors a know what I was doing or b beat me to like a good idea or or a good feature um, and over time i i eventually realized that most of my competitors don't try to beat me to features like it's it's not really a, that kind of race in in most industries like it, you know everyone has their own customers and their own roadmaps and they're all doing their own thing and occasionally somebody will like launch a feature that's so compelling that it starts stealing users away from someone else and then everyone else will start implementing that idea because they have to because they're losing customers to it. But for the most part, that's not most features or, or most ideas. You know, most features 
uh, and most ideas for apps don't really shift customers back and forth between them so much that everybody is desperate to like quickly copy things or to, to beat someone to market. Like that's that's usually not how things go for most things. Uh, and also, you know, most apps that are based upon like being the first to an idea. That is such a flash in the pan uh, thing that even if you nail it and I quote win, which that's not that, you know that's a pretty big if. <laughs> if you're the first person to market with some great idea, like the market, first of all, you might not be first. You might not even realize it. It might not be a great idea. <laughs> you might you might not realize that either until it launches. Uh, it might not resonate with the market, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But even if it does, best case scenario, you have a big hit you're going to get ripped off in like two days. <laughs> it's going to take no time at all for all the people in the app store who who look specifically to do this, to you know find what's like what's really hot and trending and rip it off as quickly as possible. Um, like you can't beat those people. And, and so even if you succeed in, you know, quote, winning at the secrecy side of things, it, those victories are short-lived. Uh, so it's not really worth worrying too much about that. But I've always found like I... My app lives or dies based on what I do, not what my customers do in the vast majority of cases. This isn't always true. Like, you know, if your customers are free and you're not, that hurts, right? But as far as like feature decisions or like, you know, release planning and everything, you generally don't have to worry too much about what your competitors are doing because for the most part, your customers will, you know, come or go based on what you do, not what everyone else does so secrecy is largely overrated and and it's a thing that we all think instinctively that we should be super careful about so that no one else sees but you know just like in real life like everyone always thinks that everyone else is thinking about them a lot more than they are but everyone's too busy thinking about themselves (laughs) to worry about everyone else for the most part uh and that's that applies to apps too like you don't have to worry so much about your competitors or strangers coming and ripping you off immediately with the loss of some secrecy because that doesn't usually happen in practice. And if you're in that kind of business, it's going to happen anyway, and you're going to lose the you're going to lose that race. Yeah, because the thing too is like if if your if your hook is purely about novelty, about like something being new or different, like that is a very tenuous place to build a sustainable business on. Because sort of by by definition, as soon as you have launched, your novelty has disappeared. And so like that can never really be that there is no path to a sustainable app that is purely based on novelty. Like there is sometimes maybe like, what is it, like the first mover advantage that you have like some advantage to that. But even then, like it's, I feel like that is much more likely to be a short lived benefit and is like, if anything, the harder the, the harder challenge that we face as sort of small developers is just being, having people aware of your work or like knowing what you're doing in the first place. Like that is a much bigger problem than being worried about, you know, sort of the, what that, what you're building is being ripped off. And like, I'm expecting to probably do like, I'll, I might do public betas for these apps and things like trying to expand the audience and get people aware of them and make them known so that like, when they does actually come to public launch, there's just a, a broader base of interest. And like, that seems much more useful and much more beneficial to me than like trying to start that process in September, like that, it's much better off using whatever, whatever audience or whatever platform of voice that I have now to kind of get that ball rolling now is going to benefit me way more 
um, this fall than if I try and wait out now. Because obviously, like, it's, when we're talking about secrecy, whenever we're not necessarily talking about complete secrecy, we'll try and talk to people in the press, or maybe we'll reach out to the App Store. There's like, you know, there's that black box email that you can email for the App Store editorial team. Like we're talking about it, but it's, I think the the best thing we can do is to just, you know, tap into every, all possible avenues for promotion. And also, I think there's also a value in a little bit about talking about things ahead of time to get a sense of what the problems, confusions, um, questions that you're going to get about your app is um, ahead of time. So that it's, you know, you're just exposing it to if there are going to be issues or um, problems that come, that come down the road, you can potentially identify them like ahead of time. You don't want to go down too far down that road where it's like d- designed by committee. And like anytime someone on Twitter comments on something that you post and says like, oh, it should be different, or they have an idea for a design change or whatever, like you don't want to get too wrapped around that. But it's still very useful to be like, if you mention a feature or talk about something like if that creates excitement, or if that creates confusion, like useful to know. Oh, totally. And And it really is helpful to have that feedback early in the cycle rather than Thinking you have everything right in you know in your head and, and the way that you do the way that you're designing and implementing everything your own choices and, and your points of view and never showing it to anybody until it's out and quote done because the market will give you feedback <laughs> and and yeah. the market you know wh- whether you think they should or not like they will and there will be things you didn't get right in your first guess and if you haven't shown anybody until your big launch your big launch will probably be less successful because not only will people not be excited about it yet because you didn't show anybody and nobody was beta testing it or anything like that, but then any design or business choice or functionality choice you got wrong, anything about your app that's confusing to people, that's all going to affect your launch instead of being ironed out in the beta process where it should have been. Yeah. So, and uh, so that's what, that's what you're doing. That's good. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing this summer? What I'm doing is very boring. Um, I'm, I'm doing what I usually do this summer, which is being a huge procrastinator and slacker for the first half of the summer. So I have done almost nothing to adapt my app to iOS 14. Instead, I've been doing other projects. I finished up some things on the ATP CMS that had to be done. That is now, like, I think as of a few days ago, I think that's now, like, done in the sense that I don't have to touch it now for months for, you know, for a long time. So that's good. I've, I've cleared the way there. Um, so I've, I, you know, switched back to overcast work and I've been doing server side, uh, problems. I've been addressing server side problems for this last few days. And that's been slowly productive, but not incredibly productive. What all this is really doing is, you know, I'm, I'm a huge procrastinator and what procrastinators know is that to to get us to do something requires for it to be the second most important thing that we have to do. Sure. <laughs> the most important thing we have to do, we will procrastinate forever on, and we will instead look for side work that, quote, has to be done. This is one of the reasons why I'm the person in the house who cleans the kitchen, uh, because there's always work to be done cleaning the kitchen <laughs> in every house forever. Even when a meal hasn't happened in hours, there's always something you can do to clean the kitchen. And so that's me because it's usually the second most important thing I have to do right then. So I'm really good at that. You know, I I was uh, doing some office changes uh, for some various home office needs, I, and I I was really good at that these last few few weeks. And you know, doing some you know house logistical stuff had to do all that. Really good at that. But overcast work I knew was this big, scary, awful thing that I have to like, 
you know, really dive in heavily with Swift and Swift UI and jump forward not only from, you know, from iOS 13 stuff, but from iOS 12 stuff, because I'm still based on iOS 12. Um, so, you know, jump forward from that, adopt all this new stuff. It's a huge undertaking. And the the upside of putting it off until very recently or rather, not I haven't even started. I'm going to start probably like tomorrow. <laughs> but the upside of putting off the the actual like you know Xcode side of my work is that it, it's given us time to have beta two and possibly even beta three by the time I actually start. And so the, every summer I benefit from this, where I'm never the first person to start discovering the new APIs. I'm never the first person to be filing all the early bugs. I, I'm I'm thankful for all those people who do all that, but I'm not one of them. And I, I probably never will be. When I jump in, it is significantly more stable. Many of the biggest problems have been ironed out. Many of the biggest bugs are gone. Many of the beta rough edges are gone. And so I'm able to jump in. And even though I start late, I'm able to start faster and have fewer problems. And so it's I don't necessarily recommend this as a productivity course of action for anybody. Because ultimately, I do lose a lot of time doing like side tasks and you know second priority things but ultimately this is how i like to work where like i was able to do you know house stuff because that was separating at any time i was able to do server side work because my server side stack is really mature and stable and i knew exactly how everything worked and i had to make a few changes and improve a few things fix a few things and that's been you know i can go at full speed then and then now when i land finally back at xcode i can really blast through it i can i can work really fast and just get a ton done in a small amount of time as opposed to like slowly trickling out work throughout the entire summer and hitting a lot of roadblocks along the way Uh, so that's that's where i'm hope to be um i'm gonna you know begin that that final part of that process probably in the next day or two and uh so what i plan to do with overcast you know once i finally start working on it (laughs) is um i'm gonna jump directly to requiring ios 14 for the for a branch of the code and i'm not necessarily going to release it anytime near day one but i am going to jump forward and skip 13 and go right to requiring 14 and go right into heavy adoption of swift and swift ui and i'm not going to rewrite the entire ui because frankly that is just a ton of work and none of my customers are asking me for that but I am going to rewrite a lot of it, and I think I'm going to start out with the Watch app, as I originally planned last year when I said, I'm finally going to sure. learn Swift, Swift UI now. Now's the year. <laughs> I, I said that all a year ago, and uh, I'm going to do the same thing this year. I'm going to say that now, and I'm going to hopefully actually do it this time um, because my Watch app is is kind of on fire. Like It's, it's not in a good state, as it usually isn't, but it's in a particularly bad state right now for some of its customers. Um, I basically made it a lot better for most of its customers and a lot worse for some. So I need to fix that. Um, and sure. I'm I'm finally going to f- really do it right. I kind of did it like half right this this last update. Now I'm going to do it fully right. I'm going to actually bring over local sync and or, or direct sync rather like where it syncs directly to the cloud and not to not through your iPhone um, stuff like that. So it's going to be a big job, and I also intend to rewrite most or all of the UI in Swift UI, which is also going to be a big job. But this will teach me Swift UI, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and and had you know you you went through a similar thing where you, you learned Swift UI first on the watch. Does that work? Is that is that a good path to take to learn it? Yeah, I think so. I, I think what is so yeah. My experience was I wrote the Watchsmith 
watch app completely in Swift UI. Um, and that was the, my first experience with Swift UI uh, in, in any context. And um, I think what is most important, what I think from my experience in Swift UI is the understanding that like it is a complete cognitive shift in terms of how you build an app, how you structure it, the way in which you program, the way in which you like have to think about programming. Like it's a, it's a different mindset that you have to be able to adopt. And I think it was the kind of development where there's a certain minimum amount of time that you have to spend with it before you will kind of click and you'll see the matrix and you'll kind of be like, oh, okay, I see what's happening now. At least that was my experience. And so I think the watch was a good place for this because the, like, the, if you think of it in, in most, it's sort of Swift UI at its most basic sense is about sort of breaking up your, your interface into smaller and smaller views that have sort of their own self-contained logic inside of them. Like that's sort of conceptually what you end up doing a lot of is you break it down and you have like this little, this view with has a few inputs and a few out, you know, and a few things that it displays and then you compose your interface of many of these. Um, and what's nice with the watch is that even your most complicated, largest uh, UI that you're going to build is relatively simple, is relatively small, like is a few hundred by a few hundred pixels at most. Like there's only so many things you can do um, in that space. And so it was a really nice constraint to learn in that now that I've now like I, you know, I'm building all of WidgetSmith in Swift UI um, and like I'm re- essentially rebuilding a lot of the UI kit that I had done in WatchSmith on the on the iPhone app. And some of these views are very complicated. Like I have my crazy um, like 24 hour clock uh, scheduler system where you can like drag different wedges, wedges around and schedule things and adjust the edge, the start and end time of when you want a widget to show and all this. And like, it's pr- pretty like, you know, it's just, you know, many hundreds of lines of UI kit code to make happen. And I've rebuilt that in Swift UI and I had the confidence to tackle it because I've done so much uh, work on the watch. And so I definitely recommend it is a great place to start. And I think it's a smart thing for you to, to start in an area of your app. Like if you're going to be doing any kind of conversion work where a part of your app is going to become Swift UI, it feels like starting in a place that has less visibility um, is a great sort of thing to go with, where if there are rough edges, if there are issues, both in terms of with a platform, which is less the case now, like SwiftUI seems relatively stable now. Um, but if there's rough edges in your understanding and, you know, like as a developer, like the first time I built a lot of, like if I, if I was going to go back and re- rewrite a lot of the WatchSmith uh, SwiftUI work, it's like I would write it differently now. I have a better understanding of how to use the APIs. I know what's going to ultimately catch me out and what are going to be the problems. And so you being able to leverage that going forward, like is a good place to s- do it on the watch, which has fewer users whose interactions are going to be more lightweight um, than, you know, messing around with like your main podcast list screen or something where it is like 80% of the use of your app. So if something is funny or problematic or not quite how you like it, it will show off in a much bigger way. So I think that seems like a great place to sort of camp up, so sort of camp out and spend time learning. Um, and I think also it means that you can do things that are just not possible in WatchKit. So like if you want to make a good watch app, you have to use Swift UI. So you may as well go there um and to sort of get started. Yeah, that's that's good advice. Thanks. Yeah, because like I I do face this this kind of like roadblock in my motivation and in my mind of like I want to tackle Swift UI in the main app, 
but it that's so intimidating because I don't know it at all yet. And so it's like the idea, like I my main root screen and and the whole framework that does like the three column stuff, I would love to tackle that right now because that that would directly make the uh the Mac app easier to make. But I know that like I I just am nowhere near that level of skill yet to to do that. Yeah. Like if I was building a brand new app from scratch, that would be different. But I'm like, you know, taking apart this app and putting it back together like mid flight in the middle of a surprisingly complicated app. Like most people who would suggest like, oh, just rewrite the whole UI. Like I don't think you understand how much UI there is in a podcast app. Like <laughs> there's way more than you think. There's way more than I thought when I started making one. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And and so there there is just there's so much UI and and that's part of the reason why I want to do this because my UI is this massive amount of like code liability and technical debt and bloat in my app that I'm trying to make lighter I'm I'm trying to make it easier for me to deal with my UI and so ultimately adoption of 50UI should do that but in the meantime the road to get from here to there has to start somewhere and learning how to use SwiftUI to do something very complicated at first is probably not the best idea. So yeah, I, I think I will start with the watch app, um, you know, bring over all the, the data layer stuff and then, te- you know, tackle the UI side of things. And, and hopefully that should be a simple enough problem set. I mean, you know, it's like a you know, three painless view. Like how, how hard could that be? Uh, so it, it should be a simple enough problem set that, uh, that should give me some familiarity and, and comfort with using Swift UI and then I'll be able to, you know, think about what parts of the main app to tackle with it, and and in what order. Yeah, and I think too that you have the benefit of coming at, like, coming at watch development with SwiftUI this summer is going to be a lot less painful than it was last summer. Um, like, it's it's come along a long way in terms of uh, capability, in terms of structure and reliability, and I think also, like, Apple has been very specific now about how to lay out your app and what it should do and look like. And they got rid of contextual menus. And with that, they've sort of changed the, like their human interface guidelines a lot around the watch. And so there's in many ways, like a lot of things are easier because they've kind of Apple has explicitly said they want everything to be obvious and intuitive. And you just like, if you want to have a button, you put it here and you like, it, there's, it's, it feels much more prescriptive now, which in some ways I think is a nice benefit rather than kind of feel like you have to find all that stuff out for yourself and kind of in, invent what a watch app is. I feel like this summer Apple has made a much clearer vision of like, this is what a, a standard watch app should be, how it should behave, where you, you know, what your control should look like and that type of thing, which I think is just a very big help in terms of, um, also like it's a, you, you have a much stronger starting point doing it now, um, than you, you would have, if you tried to do this, uh, this list last summer. And I think too, it's, it's, it's a good time generally just as like, you're going to have to learn Swift UI and I, I don't see you ever tackling it in the iOS app for a while. And so like you got I think you either have to start it on the watch or you have to start it on the Mac. And it feels like starting it on the watch because it's going to be the most different anyway, whereas once you start working on the Mac, that code would need to sort of naturally flow back into the iOS app probably, whereas I don't expect a lot of overlap necessarily between the watch uh, and the iPhone app. So like you have a little bit more flexibility there. And it seems like, you know, my my approach usually is to work from the bottom up. Uh, as opposed to the, the you know the top down in you know design and code structure, so like usually 
I do things like I'll write the I'll write a very very rudimentary UI and then really flesh out the data layer and the data layer is where I put all my time and the audio layer like I, I love doing all that stuff and then eventually I'll build like I'll build the UI to be a little bit more functional on top of that but uh, for the most part um, my, you know my heart is not in the UI like I I don't love making UI stuff and I and it it, it weighs me down conceptually and, and psychologically and so you know the, going this direction is smart but. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, you know, starting on the watch is, is so much easier. And you're, I'm glad to hear that you think it's going to be easier this year because, you know, similar to how, like, you know, the the old app review quote of running to the press never helps is hilarious because running to the press always helps. Um, <laughs> similarly, like, procrastination doesn't pay in theory, but actually it seems like in reality procrastination is a really good idea on pretty much any new developer technology. <laughs> yeah, well, it's I feel like it has exactly the same. It's just, There's this like it's a graph where it pays it pays it pays and then suddenly like it catastrophically does not yeah well but that's the pattern of every procrastinator like we're used to this we 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 can do this do nothing 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 and then do it all at once like that's how we work (laughs) yeah and so you just got to find that sweet spot where your procrastination has not overcome the uh like the volume of the work that needs to be done so, like, as long as you can find that sweet spot where you've procrastinated enough for things to, to stabilize underneath your feet, but not so much that there's now this giant mountain you have to climb. Like, as long as you can find that sweet spot, you're in a good place. Yes. So, Sadly, I, that's a very hard thing to do. For, and that's yeah. typically where people like me fail. <laughs> because we're very good at the do-nothing-for-a-while part. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll start. We'll start soon. We'll start, we'll start next week. We'll start tomorrow. You know, we'll, we'll start soon. And then, yeah, then we do fall off the mountain at the end. But, uh, you know, it, it also can be argued that it might not necessarily matter how fast you are to market with certain things as we said earlier <laughs> oh sure I, I think whether or not you have your when exactly your watch app is ready is a, is a more minor point than yeah the, the fact that it, it starts to improve it in general and honestly i think it's much more about it's less about how this will benefit overcast and more how it will benefit you and how it will make you feel more confident about cooking going into swift ui which clearly is something that at some point you're going to have to tackle so like it's a personal development rather than an app development sort of priority in that way fully agreed thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye